This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Should we buy Madison or Sterling or both? This is your Game Week 4 preview. Welcome to the Gianni Battici Show. Hope you guys are well. We're going to be answering all the big questions of Game Week 4 to come. However, we're going to start with something a little bit different today. We're going to start with some quick hits from the Game Week just gone. So give me 60 seconds. Right, Man United, they look good in attack. Well done for holding Bruno and Rashford, but I'm still thinking they're vulnerable at the back. If we look at Arsenal, can we justify an Arsenal triple up? Some of us have got two Arsenal midfielders. I'm not sure that's a plan to last much longer. Maybe one Arsenal is enough. Man City look a little bit sloppy conceding that late goal, but still their defensive numbers are elite and that defence is being overlooked. Chelsea, they look like a proper team. A proper team. Look at this identity on the pass map. We love that. There's a front four players here and a back six. Now in the front four, you've got Ben Shilwell and you've got Enzo. Two players worth noting for FPL. We'll speak more about the other two of those front four later in the show. Jackson and Sterling, of course. Spurs, they're a team that we need to cover. Absolutely. There's still no standout goalkeeper in the Premier League for FPL, is there? And Liverpool, is Salah worth the price tag? Absolutely not. If only Jota or Darwin were nailed, I think that's where we'd be going. There we go, 60 seconds, just about managed that. Let me know if you like the new format of the show, but let's get to some of the main questions, shall we? The biggest question of the week for me is, are we buying Sterling or are we buying Madison? Do we want to consider both? Or are we looking in a completely different direction? But we have to start looking at these numbers for Madison and Sterling, don't we? So let's bring up some stats. And what we know from Madison, first and foremost, is Spurs are going to be an attacking team. They're going to attack for fun. And this Spurs team was very... Very much built around Harry Kane. Well, now it's built around James Madison. Like, sure, it's not a like-for-like -like replacement, but Madison is at the epicenter of everything Spurs do well, and he's on set pieces. A lot of the, all the play, pretty much, he's involved and goes through him. He's taking shots. He's super creative. And this is without a number nine that's performing well because he's put it on a plate for Richarlison a few times and Richarlison isn't converting. So even without that, he looks to be an outstanding FPL option. Now, if we look at the average position map for James Madison, this is from the weekend just gone. Like we thought the Postacoglu team was all about 4-3-3, two number eights. And we thought it'd be Saar and Madison as the two number eights. Now you can argue... It is still that system, but look how much deeper Saar is. It's almost like two DMs, Saar alongside Basuma, and then Madison's the number 10 with a complete free roll. So he's taken Harry Kane's number 10. He's taken some similar positions to Kane on the pitch. Sure, he's not quite the, the number nine, the focal point, but Harry Kane used to drop deep a lot, but he's got this free roll just floating around. And he's advanced as Richarlison. 
Kulazewski and Son are providing the width, although Son was pretty narrow in the game week just gone, but he moved up front, which is why this average position map's a little bit skewed because when Richarlison went off, Son went central. Um, but Madison just looks loads of fun. And I look at his price point, I look at the fixtures Spurs have got, I think this is a guy we need to cover. So let's look at some of the uh, numbers between him and Sterling. But before we do that, let's just also touch on Sterling's average position map. Because if we're talking about the most advanced player, then Sterling is up there. Him and Nico Jackson, average position's pretty much the same. Now, when you look at an average position map from a wide forward and you see they're the most advanced player on the pitch, we can look at players like Mo Salah in the past. We've seen like the likes of Solly March in that bracket, wide right, super high. Sterling ticks that box. And it's better for Sterling that behind him, he's got a fullback, whether it's James Augusto, that isn't overlapping much, that isn't super advanced. Like it's more disciplined as a fullback than say, I mean, Ben Chilwell's pretty much playing left wing, isn't he? So on the left, you've got Chilwell and on the right, you've got Sterling. Um, and we absolutely loved that. And look, Sterling in game week one was disappointing. Game week two, he looked good against West Ham and didn't perform in terms of FPL numbers. We knew it was coming game week three. Is this a sign of things to come? Or maybe when the fixtures are good, yes. I'm not so sure you want Sterling over Jackson though or over Madison. So let's look at the numbers between him and Madison. Look, so far, FPL points, similar, 22-23. The expected goals, however, in fact, all these metrics, pretty much Madison's going to outperform Sterling. So expected goals, 1.25 for Sterling. Sorry, 1.25 for Madison, 0.92 for Sterling. Not too much between them in terms of goal threat, but it's the assist threat where it's, it's the huge difference. Like Sterling's assist threat is like 0.54. The expected assists for Madison, however, 1.64. Even the goal attempts, like Madison outperforms him 8-6. to six. Chances created 9-4 to four in Madison's favour. The penalty area touches, we know, we've seen from the average position map, we're not surprised to see Sterling way more penalty area touches. But it's what you do with those touches which is important. So I look at those numbers... I look at the average position. I look at other players within that team. Now, if I'm buying a Spurs attacker, I know it's Madison. If I'm buying a Chelsea attacker, you could argue it's Sterling, it's Chilwell, it's Jackson, or even Enzo, like, is playing in that front four. And his underlying numbers are really good, and he's like 5 million. So it's difficult to pin which two of those four you buy if you're a Chelsea, if you're going in for Chelsea. And of course, midfield spots are so, so difficult that Madison just looks like a set and forget standout, while Sterling might be someone you put in your team and you want to take out in a few weeks, which again is fine to do and absolutely have a play with that. But Madison for me is going to be, I think, unless lots changes this week, injuries, whatever, Madison is my priority transfer. And I'm still not entirely sure with who I'll be selling, but I think I know. And I think that will come in the form of an Arsenal midfielder. So look, the next big question this week has to be, what do we do with our Arsenal and our Man United midfielders? Because most of us have three or four Arsenal Man United midfielders in our lineup, right? Odegaard Martinelli, not so popular, but in a few teams. Saka, most teams, Rashford, most teams, Bruno in a fair few teams. So those five players, what do we do with them? Well, let's compare the midfielders so far from the first three game weeks across the board. So from all midfielders in the game, how do they rank in terms of, okay, FPL points, I'm never too worried about. How do they rank in terms of expected goal involvement? Now let's do non-penalty expected goal involvement because we know the players that are on pens and, and we give them a bump for that. We actually don't know who's on pens for Arsenal. Odegaard and Saka have had one each now. They did discuss that. Odegaard literally gave Saka the ball um, and they're cool with it. Like Odegaard is the club captain, remember? So I think he will make the call if he fancies it or if he wants to give it to Saka. And that'll be based on probably how they're playing in that game. 
Um, so look, let's bring up the best performers so far this season. In midfield, at number one, he's only got 16 FPL points, but it's non-penalty XGI, 3.1. And he's had a penalty, and that's Bruno. Can you sell Bruno now? Many were like, give him one more week. Um, I said the same. I was like, probably give him the Nottingham Forest fixture. But what we saw in that fixture is a very advanced Bruno. Without mounting the team, and we said this would happen, Bruno's got a little bit more... Um, license to get forward because it's either Mount or Bruno as the two number eights in that team that go. They are taking it in turns. So when one goes, the other one sits. Well, this time, every every time now Mount is out, um, Bruno can go. And he's getting big chances. He's missed a fair few. He should have had more points. But the non-penalty XGI, the expected goals and assists combined, is really high for Bruno. Best in the league. So I think you hold him. Madison, again, this is why we love Madison. Second with a non-penalty XGI. Saka in third. Again, I think he's a hold, right? Then we've got Matoma and Bomo and, Ra and Bowen all been doing super, super well. And look, and Bomo on 25 points, Bowen on 23. Overlooked, you could argue, for, for Bowen. Um, but then what about the other players in the Man United and Arsenal uh, lineups, midfielders that we own, commonly owned players, all the way down the list. And again, I haven't ranked these. So we've, we've ranked the first uh, six, but then quite a bit further down, you've got Rashford on 1.59 XGI. 12 points. Martinelli's only clocked 10 points and he's on a, he's had one assist, 0.94 XGI non-penalty in the first three games. Poor, really. And Odegaard, even worse, 0.57. But he has scored a penalty, Odegaard. So I look at Odegaard, I look at Martinelli and I look at Rashford and I'm thinking, if I owned all three of these, which ones do I sell? And I think they're ranked in order. I think from the bottom up, you sell Odegaard first, you sell... Do you know what? I'm going to change that because he might take the next penalty. I would sell Martinelli first, then I would sell Odegaard, then I would sell Rashford. So if you're looking to switch to a Madison or a Sterling or an Mbomo this week and you've got a Martinelli or you've got an Odegaard, they're the two I think I'd get rid of first. And for me, I think it's going to be Martinelli. And it's because of these numbers. Now, Jesus will come back into that Arsenal team. And with Jesus as the number nine, that is better for Martinelli. I promise you that. When Enketi is the number nine or Havertz is the nine, Martinelli doesn't occupy central positions. He stays fairly wide. What we saw last season when Jesus is in the team, he naturally will drift left and Martinelli can come into that nine channel. And he takes up more central areas. And with that, he gets more shots in better positions. I still don't know if that's enough because I don't think Arsenal, with the fixtures coming up, can we can justify Saka and Martinelli when there's so many other good mids. I think one Arsenal midfielder is enough. Guys, these stats are all from the scout members area, by the way. You can check out the link in my bio if you fancy checking out that members area. And also, thank you so much last week. Loads of you hitting that like button on my videos and it does amazing things for the YouTube algorithm. So I appreciate that. If you like this video, hit the like button and of course, subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Now, another big question this week. Nicholas Jackson, is he worth it if you don't own him? Because there was a bit of a bandwagon last week, but there might be another bandwagon this week because he's got Nottingham Forest at home, then he's got Bournemouth. So how is Jackson comparing? And if you want to go for a Chelsea attacker, we've compared Madison and Sterling. What about Jackson and Sterling? Now, the reason why I prefer Jackson is midfield spots are so, so tight. Forward spots, a little bit looser. There's not too many forwards we want in our team. Therefore, buying a Jackson is, is easier. Jackson uh, also, I think, has been more consistent. So I know the points have only come for Jackson in game week three. But what did we see from Jackson? Forget, right, let's go back. What did we see from Jackson pre-season and in game week one and in game week two before game week three even hit? We've seen the same player. 
big chances falling his way. Uh, starting games, looking sharp, bullying defenders. We like this Nico Jackson. I know he's missed a couple of big chances, but the falling his way, he creates his own chances. He creates chaos. He's a bit like a Darwin Nunes. These types of strikers can look a little bit clumsy on the eye. They're all action. They're running their socks off all the time. And sometimes because of that, their first touch can be slack. Because of that, their finishing can be a bit loose and a bit wayward. But it's because they are going 100 miles an hour all the time. And because of that, they're creating their own chances. They're not just relying on teammates to create chances. They can bully. They're a defender's nightmare. And I think at the weekend just gone, we've seen Jackson and Darwin are both great FPL options. Or when they're starting in the team will be great FPL options. Darwin not there yet. Um, I much prefer the consistency we get in his performance, his individual performance from a Jackson to a Sterling. Sterling might be based on opposition it might be that he will bully a Luton but what will he look like against Liverpool game week one or West Ham game week two and I don't know if we've seen enough from Sterling on a consistent basis to go he's going to keep delivering week on week with Jackson he might not return the FPL points week on week but I know the performance I'm getting from him I know he's going to be an eight, eight out of ten um and I take all of the pre-season and the first three game weeks in that Sterling we've seen for a game and a half he's looked really sharp so I think Sterling's a fine buy absolutely but I prefer Jackson now for big chances out of all forwards in the Premier League this season Jackson has had the most he's first for expected goals he's second for non-penalty expected goal involvement he's second for opposition half touches he's second for shots inside the box he's fourth this is of all strikers for attempts in the box he's fourth these underlying numbers are brilliant he just needs he needed that goal and now he's got that goal we see it all the time with forwards going on barren spells they get their goal and they look like a different player now I think come game week four Jackson's going to be an amazing shout and I'm expecting points from him moving forward Really good pickup. If you've gone there, well played. If you haven't gone there yet, it ain't too late. And many still own Ollie Watkins, who looked okay against Burnley. Fair. He's got Liverpool next. And I think Liverpool are starting to look a little bit better. I think that performance against Newcastle will, will, will maybe start to see Liverpool clicking. And we might even see, might even see some Liverpool clean sheets. That'd be nice. Maybe Trent will become an option once again. Who knows? But let's have a look at the, the weekend just gone in terms of my points very quickly. Disappointing week for me. Uh, 46 points. Guys, that Gabriel spot, third defender, has haunted me. Kill me game week one and two. And game week three, rather than go Adogi or Gusto, as many did, I went Gvardiol, who looked so comfortable for a clean sheet and bonus points. And then Sheffield United go and score in the 80-whatever minute. And with that goal, not only did Gvardiol have his clean sheet wiped out, but Man City decided to put Foden, who was ill, on. They had no choice because it was they were drawing. So Foden comes on and blocks my Colwell points. I got a jammy assist from Foden, but I'd rather the Cold Wheel points. Cry me a river. There we go. I'm looking forward. And remember, there is midweek football this week as well. I think 12 of the Premier League teams are playing in the Carabao Cup, and that includes teams like Chelsea. Um, let's have a look at the season ticket. We haven't brought it up this season because I am conscious now people are starting to consider... They're starting to consider when they might be wildcarding. Now, it's really good practice every week just to go... If I was wildcarding, how many changes would I make? And if the answer is like seven, eight, nine, that's when you pull the trigger. And I'll be doing this exercise on Wednesday's video. I'm going to look at my team. I'm going to look at what my wildcard team would be. And I'm going to decide, would that be a wildcard or not? Now, spoiler alert, 
it's not going to be a wild card for me this week, but I know people are doing it. So maybe you want to see my wild card draft and that will be, as I mentioned, Wednesday's video this week. But to do that, I'll be using the season ticker, the fixture ticker. So I've got this from Scout and I filtered this all the way through to game week 11. So I was like, let's have a look at the next eight weeks because I never know with, with season tickers, should I be bringing up the foreseeable? Should I bring up the next three game weeks? Should I bring up the next 10? Should I bring up the next 15? I always think, because you're making a transfer every week, like if I do the next eight weeks, that's eight changes to my team. So I don't need to look beyond that. You could argue you could filter it to the next six, but I'm going to filter it to the next eight here. And top of that ticker, we have Liverpool. Forget Luton because they're not an FPL team. Tottenham, Chelsea, Newcastle, Villa, all with good FPL assets. So when I do create my wildcard, and when I even I'm bringing in my transfers this week, like many of you are thinking who to buy, again, this this encourages me to buy James Madison. Tottenham are third in the ticker. If you're looking for Sterling or Jackson recruitment, again, Chelsea still fourth in the ticker. Newcastle, I think, have flown under the radar because the fixtures were so tough. But look at the fixture run they're about to go on. Do we want a Newcastle defender? Liverpool, if only Darwin could start every game, he'll be a good FPL option. So we like the ticker. Even in Bomo owners, you know, just below Aston Villa, who again, Diaby on my radar, and Bomo haven't got him yet and I thought he would be my game week four transfer in I'm not so sure he will be now because I like Madison but the tickers are always really really useful so um, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, this particular game week preview I've changed the format a little bit so let me know in the comments if you like the quick hits at the top and all that jazz appreciate all those likes and subscribes guys I'm really hoping to see a flood of subscribers in the next couple of weeks so hit that button if you can as I mentioned Wednesday's video is going to be wildcard Thursday video going to be team selection Thank you guys for watching and we'll see you very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.